Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you. This is cool. This is cool. Um, I'm coming to you from Kyle Field. Kyle! Sorry, that's my inner South Park. Uh, tonight I got, for uh, Compass Media, I get a chance to broadcast Kentucky. Taking on Texas A&M. That'll be a lot of fun. In the meantime, I'm like across the street. Kyle Field is a stadium. It's known for... Known for uh, really three things: one, the the pitch, the the angle of the stadium. I mean, I'm I'm up in the press box overlooking the field. Uh, it's intense, right? Can put they put 109,000 in, but it, it seats 102 supposedly with not counting SROs. So that that's pretty cool. But it's it's known for for two different things. Uh, John Ramos, do you know what Kyle Field is known for? Um, I I don't. Okay. I don't. I apologize. No, you're, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. Okay, Johnny, should, Man, Johnny, Man's, be... Johnny Manziel is one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dude Perfect is the other. Oh, the guys right. who throw things off the walls and stuff? Well, off the stadium and into a bucket, right? Okay, like, yeah. If you, look, if you go back to when Dude Perfect first started, they were Texas A&M students, and a lot of their stuff was up in the third deck. You know, shooting a basketball into a hoop that was down at the football field. That was that was here. That, that was that was here. Um, anyway, we got a great show for you today. It's Doug Gottlieb show, and you can check out the latest lines from World of Sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be twenty one, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call one eight hundred gambler. Um Howie Roseman is going all in. We'll get to that upcoming. That one. That one's fun. I got uh, Dak Prescott apologize, apologizing. Right, that's what he did. He apologized. <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that Dak Prescott a- apologized to to start uh, to to say exactly what he thought of. The, I, we take things way too seriously, but we'll get to uh, we'll get to all that. Let's let's start though with the. Uh, post-mortem from the Dallas Cowboys. You know, one of the things that's special about the Cowboys, and did you guys see the number of people that watched the Cowboys and Niner game? Like that is a that is an obscene number of people. Obscene. 41.5 million people watched that football game. And, of course, it was broadcast on CBS. We talked about this a little bit yesterday where CBS actually bought Paid $70 million for that specific window so they could get the pick of the week. Normally, Cowboys NFC game is on Fox and says on CBS. Smart move by CBS. They kind of lucked into the Cowboys and the Niners, and they got the pick of the litter. And that's where that's where people have to understand that ratings are not about the quality of a team. It's about the fan bases uh, and slightly about quality, mostly about the fan bases. And nobody rates like the Cowboys, and the Niners are not far behind. You combine those two superpowers, and there you go. Obviously, massively outrated. 
Pittsburgh, huge fan base. Kansas City, not nearly as big. Kansas City's obviously been a much better football team. People confuse how good you are with how well you rate that you're just, you're getting yourself confused. That's exactly what you're doing. But let, let's get to this. So the Cowboys offense was inept. It, they scored one touchdown in the first half. They had to play catch-up. If not for Kyle Shanahan doing Kyle Shanahan things, throwing the football too much, or Jimmy Garoppolo doing Jimmy Garoppolo things, or the fact that the it it did it they did not get the first down on the third down uh, jet sweep to Debo Samuel, and on fourth down they would have gotten on the sneak if not for the fact that they had a false start. Game would have been over, but we know how it ended, and all of the discussion, and this is what happens, and and. God bless Troy Aikman for pointing out the, the real stuff. We spent so much time talking about the last play. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about, I mean, we did here, but we needed to break down why were the Cowboys so, why are they so average offensively against good teams? Right, you, you line up their roster, and do I think that Amari Cooper is as good as contract? No, he might get cut. Do I think that Ezekiel Elliott's as good as contract? No, he might get cut. But it, it's not like they're bad football players. They're just not as good as their contracts, and so you try and get out of them. The, the, they have talent. Right? No one's arguing they have talent. So what went wrong? What went wrong? Let's, uh, let's listen in. This is, this is Troy Aikman, who, of course, desperately wanted to call this game, didn't, went down, broke down the tape on a radio show in Dallas. Back when I was playing, and I hate going back to that point because nobody cares but what I see around the leagues not just Dallas it was in Philadelphia I've seen it with a lot of teams that a lot of these offenses they want to scheme things rather than this corner is playing soft he's scared to death just run the route tree just run a comeback run a run a dig route run a curl run anything and you're going to complete the pass whenever you want. Irvin would have had 10 catches at halftime if they had played us the way that they played CeeDee Lamb. The game's not that difficult. If, if I've got a great player at wide receiver and a corner is playing him single coverage, throw him the ball. Throw him the ball. So, and, and I don't know if you were listening going back to the last, uh, last couple of days. I don't know if you're paying attention, but what I said was, and I said this about the Cowboys, is they really get cute, and they really get cute. Now, getting cute is a much more layman way of expressing what Troy Aikman said, where you're worried so much about, you know, you have a scheme, and we're going to out-scheme you instead of just get the ball to your best player and figure out what's the easiest way to get the ball to your best player against their worst player. It's a lot like in the NBA, which at the end of playoff series and playoff games, it's players, not play players, not plays, right? That's what they say in basketball. Got to have players, not plays. And you'll see LeBron James, or you'll see Steph Curry, or you'll see whomever. And they have the ball at the top of the key. And oftentimes you just go set a ball screen with whoever the weakest defender is knowing in the NBA, they're going to switch. And then you, you attack the weakest defender, right? Players, not plays. Like, let's not overthink this thing. We don't have to get cute. So it's a it's I tend to understand and likely agree with Troy because he's one. I also think it's interesting that Troy, a guy who is a former cowboy, is loyal to the Cowboys, but also loyal to his job 
it's interesting that he's being critical of Kellen Moore, another former Cowboy quarterback, and slightly of of Dak Prescott. I I think there's an amount of frustration there. Like, what what are we doing here? But I've talked about this on this show, which is they get cute, right? <laughs> you don't you don't need to get cute. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks got cute around the goal line instead of giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I'm sure they they saw something they liked. I'm sure it was something they thought they could they could pick on somebody. They could make, but or we could just give the ball to a guy who will find the end zone in a Marshawn Lynch. Don't get cute. Coaches so and look, refs do this in sports where. It's like they want to blow the whistle sometimes just so you know they're there. You're like, are you calling a foul because you need to call a foul? Are you calling a foul because you just want us to know you're there, right? We didn't come to see you. Coaches sometimes do that as well. I also think that Kellen Moore, in his defense, a lot of this is like your upbringing as a player. Remember when he played at Boise State and Boise State, those are guys that think they've been able to out-coach Oklahoma, I know Kellen wasn't the quarterback then, but you're able to outcoach Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. But see, those things are needed when you have inferior talent. Right? When you have the better player, you can use schematics. You can find a, 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 a you can find a way in which you can fool the opponent. But at the end of the day, if you have one guy who's just better than the other guy, throw it to the guy who's better than the other guy. Right? If your offensive line is dominating their defensive line, hand the ball off and run the ball. I think it's a really interesting dynamic that we'll never know the true answer to. Because I do think that Troy is right. I don't know why that happened. I'm guessing it's because he doesn't like the, the overly creative, you know, bells and whistles and motions and for lack of a better term cuteness of what they're doing but is it because he doesn't want Kellen Moore to be the next head coach is it because he wants to be in charge is it because he's I don't think he's doing it to throw shade on Dak Prescott I think that personally my belief is Troy's actually doing his job which is to analyze any team you know and what's interesting about it is I think Tony Romo shares much the same philosophy. Now, Romo wasn't great on the game. Romo was kind of all over the place. And I think Romo is a little bit too close to it. And because Dak replaced him, there's a little bit of sensitivity there on being overly critical. But he did point it out. And if you go back to Romo's first year doing games when when Dak was quarterback uh, and they weren't getting the ball to Des Bryant, he was basically saying, like, just throw it up to Des Bryant. It's the same thing. Like, just go throw the ball to your best player against their weakest corner, and let's let's kind of go from there. This is what this is in line with what we told you about the Cowboys, right? The issues with that offense. I don't think Dak is great. I don't think the line. I think everything about the Dallas Cowboys is they're not phonies. They're not frauds. They're not terrible. Okay. But from the offensive line to Dak Prescott to Kellen Moore to Amari Cooper to Ezekiel Elliott, you know, they're just, they're good. They're not 
superstar great, and then they try and just get too cute. They try and fool you when you don't have to fool you. And ultimately, that stuff gets you beat. That stuff gets you beat. And we told you, if you watch the Cowboys all year long, you saw you saw these things. You saw that Dak against better defenses could be inaccurate. You saw that Dak, like any quarterback, went under pressure, did not look like the same guy. You saw that Ezekiel Elliott did not have the burst he's had previously. The, the truth is that when Jerry said Zeke who a couple years ago, he was actually right. He just didn't have the balls to say, hey, Zeke, we don't actually need you. We got Tony Pollard. We can pay any running back to be another solid running back. He wasn't the superstar he was early on in his career. They had problems with clock management all year. That came to roost. They had problems with Dak Prescott against better defenses, and they had problems with Kellen Moore in the red zone, but also just at times overly creative players instead of plays, players instead of schemes, and that's what that's what Troy Aikman was discussing. All right, we got a lot to get to on the show. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, coming up next, huh, well, this isn't a surprise, but you remember what Aaron Rodgers wanted before the season? Turns out LeBron James has it, and why it's a bad Bad idea. Bad, bad idea. We'll get to that upcoming next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. It's on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Remember the Doug Gottlieb Show brought to you by a better sports book. Check out the latest lines from World of Sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so uh, a lot of stories going on in sports, right? This is a day in which we talk about, about stories. And one of the stories is that uh, no shocker here, LeBron James had a major part in Russell Westbrook being recruited um, and obviously tr- being traded to the uh, the uh, the L.A. Lakers, right? So uh, and and look, LeBron has done his part defending Russell Westbrook, being a being a supporter, but it shouldn't come as any surprise, right? Like nobody's sitting there going like, "Oh my gosh, right? oh my, I, I can't believe it." Um, this this of course. Uh, is a story that you can find at uh, LakersDaily.com. Okay, but uh, it's uh, they they used Eric Pincus' report, who's for Bleach Report. Rob Polinka is the team's vice president of basketball operations and general manager. The decision ultimately falls on his resume, but sources also say that James was a significant proponent of getting Westbrook. Uh, by the way, um, the question is asked, does he bear responsibility if he and his agent, Rich Paul of Clutch Sports, applied significant pressure on the team to get it done? The answer is yes. Look, here's the I, – I, I, I fully understand that we operate in this world where got to have player empowerment, they got to have a say, and like all that stuff is great. But there's a balance there to be had. Okay. And 
you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he, he wanted to say on, on guys and they brought him into the conversation and he seems a little bit happier. I don't know what that means long-term. There's an old expression that Jerry Sloan had. Jerry Sloan was, of course, the famous coach. He was a great player, really tough player with the Chicago Bulls, but the former coach of the Utah Jazz when they had Stockton Malone, which goes a little something like this. If you listen to the fans, soon you'll become one of them. But this is this was the issue with LeBron. This is what Pat Riley had to say. Or not about... Uh, this is what uh, Phil Jackson had to say. Do you guys remember when Phil Jackson, when it, it the, the conversation turned to Phil Jackson, it's a racist connotation when he said, if you if you get LeBron, you're going to get his posse with him. And it was made into some racial epitaph, which it is not. Okay? That LeBron wants to take over the whole operation. That's what they want to do in Miami. That's what they want to do in Cleveland. And that's what they want to do in L.A. Like, look, LeBron's agent, he represents their two best players. They brought in David Fisdale as assistant coach because, well, he was an assistant with LeBron in Miami. And they got, uh, you know, so, so, so that's how they roll. And that level of influence is too much. It's too much. And there's no question that he will stay and keep playing, trying to get Bronny on his team. And I, I guess, is Bronny going to be good enough to play and start in the NBA? Right. Or are you simply going to become a sideshow? Players play, owners own, and GMs are supposed to manage the roster. And it doesn't matter how good a play. Great players are not great GMs. They're just not. You know, when they're playing, it's too hard to. Can you suggest? Yes. But the influence of LeBron James supposedly had like an interview session and interviewed Brad Beal and Russell Westbrook and Buddy Heald and a couple others. And the guy he came up with was Russell Westbrook, who has been, let's just be honest, an abject disaster considering his reputation, triple double league MVP coming back home to L.A. It hasn't been good. Of course he bears responsibility. And ultimately, giving a player too much power, having a player essentially and his agent try and run a team, that's a poison pill to this team. Poison pill to this team. She's worked in, uh, he's got an unbelievable book out there. Um, he, he has a tremendous podcast, which you should download. And, of course, he's worked in so many of these front offices. He's the perfect guy to have on. Michael Lombardi joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Let's start with Troy Aikman's criticism. I'm going to play it for you. I'm, I'm sure you've heard it, Michael. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it for you. This is on uh, the ticket in Dallas. Troy Aikman earlier today. Back when I was playing, and I hate going back to that point because nobody cares. But what I see around the leagues, not just Dallas, it was in Philadelphia, I've seen it with a lot of teams, that a lot of these offenses, they want to scheme things. Rather than this corner is playing soft, he's scared to death, just run the route tree. Just run a comeback. Run a, run a dig route. Run a curl. Run anything. And you're going to complete the pass whenever you want. Urban would have had 10 catches at halftime if they had played us the way that they played CeeDee Lamb. The game's not that difficult 
if if I've got a great player at wide receiver and a corner is playing him single coverage, throw him the ball. Um, you, you've worked with the great Bill Walsh, with Bill Belichick, with, with everybody, Michael, with, with, with John Gruden. Is the criticism by Trey been fair? Oh, it's completely fair. I mean, no, it's not stopping people from interviewing Kellen Moore for their head coaching job because I think what Troy said is true. I mean, people are so married to their scheme, including, you know, even when Gruden was at the Raiders, they're scheme-specific. And, you know, there's plays and players, and you've got to understand how to handle that. Look, the reality of it is is that game plan by Dallas, what Troy's talking about, really left uh, San Francisco off the hook. They couldn't get the ball to them. Uh, they couldn't get the ball to their best player, Lamb. Cooper really wasn't involved. They didn't have a good enough game plan. And I think, you know, what what has to happen is often is when you attack a defense, you must attack the the coverages, but the adjustments in the coverages. It isn't just attacking, well, they're running cover three, so we're going to run all our cover three passes. That won't work. You have to specifically attack the coverages by their adjustments. That's what McVay does in San Francisco. I mean, in Los Angeles, that's what Kyle does in there. And some of these younger coaches who've never been trained that way, you know, they call a good game against a bad, a bad defense and everybody thinks they're great when in reality, when they play against a good defense, they can't move the ball. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, like to those of us who paid attention, and obviously I, I can't sit there and tell you the schematics the way that you can with your you know, decades of experience in the NFL, but uh, like – I, all year, you could see McCarthy and clock issues, right? There's a seem to be a lack of discipline. And let's be honest that in addition to Dak and Zeke, Amari Cooper, th- those guys aren't as good as their reputation. If you're Jerry, and I understand that Jerry probably isn't asking you for help or whatever, probably asking maybe his, his son, whatever. But if you're, what, what do you do to, for, for, to fix Dallas? Well, I think if you believe like I do, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. Then you've got to ask Mike, like, why did we never get correction on these penalties? You know, why couldn't we ever solve this problem all year long? Why couldn't we ever figure out a way to get our offense, you know, rejuvenated against certain teams? Why did we have breakdowns against certain teams? And I think those are all fair questions. I think, you know, I I said this on my podcast. I said it on my show on VEASAN. The Cowboys always look like a team that didn't practice very hard to me because their execution was very suspect after the bye week, their execution was really poor and people got a handle on their scheme and it became a lot easier for Jerry. You know, Jerry's partly responsible for the culture too. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's easy for Jerry. He's an owner. He can certainly sit back. I mean, this is a franchise. I think, I think since 2000, right. I think since 2000, the Jacksonville Jaguars have won more playoff games than the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you know, that's kind of hard to believe, right? But it is true. They just they haven't been able to perform. And part of it is the culture, right? I mean, when they let Jimmy go and they won another Super Bowl with Switzer, I mean, Jerry runs the team. And so it's hard for the head coach to be as demanding and be as forceful as he needs to be to get the most out of every single player. It's just part of who they are. Now, they're worth a billion. They're worth $6 billion. They're the greatest marketing organization in the history of football. But in terms of attention to detail and taking practice execution becomes game reality, they fall short. And and I would also and and you and again if I'm out of if I'm out of school, you tell me. But you know it's like how they handled Ezekiel Elliott, right? With the, even with the contract, he holds out 
Tony Pollard, I think Jerry even knew Tony Pollard looked like a dude there. But at, at some point, he ends up acquiescing to Ezekiel Elliott. And Ezekiel Elliott, he, he's not nearly as good as that contract. You know, they, they make the trade for Mari Cooper. They overpaid Amari Cooper. He's not as good as that contract. I, I think some of, the, some of the ways in which Jerry ultimately always gives in or seemingly gives in to the player because he loves his guys, I think that plays into the lack of discipline in their culture. Is that fair? I think that's fair, but let's let, let's look at Zeke closely, right? He paid Zeke. Look, to pay a running back, right, in the National Football League, that's not named Derrick Henry because he's kind of a unique player, and they didn't right. pay him, overpay him, right? But to pay a running back like Kamara, like McCaffrey, you're basically playing, paying a weapon. And part of paying a weapon is to get him involved in the passing game, to make him a dominant player and never leave the field and utilize his skill set, lining up in the slot, lining up outside the receiver, you know, using him in a one-on-one matchups against linebackers, creating the right situation, getting him the ball outside of screens. And the Cowboys failed to do that. I've been screaming this for years. I mean, when McVay had Todd Gurley, and Gurley could actually was playing well, he averaged 10 yards a catch. That's what you want. When you pay a guy this much money, you want to be able to, he averages 10 yards a catch, and he's really good at running the football. This time they, they go into a game against San Francisco. He touches the ball 13 times. Well, Debo Samuel touched it third, 13 times in the game, and he's a wide receiver. Like, you can't have that. They paid him like a weapon, and they're treating him like a running back. Whether Pollard's better or not, you always need two backs. I didn't have a problem with him paying Zeke because I think Zeke is a really talented player on all three downs. The problem is they let him get out of shape. The other problem Doug is, is they don't utilize his skill set. Uh, okay, let, let, me, let me ask you, do you think that the Philadelphia Eagles are making the right decision by sticking with Jalen Hurts? Well, they're making the only decision they can right now. I mean, what else can they say? You know, if they, if they come out there and say, we're not going to, you know, he's not going to be our starter, then everybody knows they're desperate for a quarterback. You know, if they say what they say and they get a quarterback, they say, well, t- t- times change. You know, we had to do it. Here's what we'll know if they're really serious. If they continue to build the Oklahoma offense in Philadelphia, if they continue to use that scheme, and if they sign players that fit that scheme, then we'll know they're committed. Because the only way Jalen Hurts is going to be successful moving forward is to have a dominating run game where the running game excels over the passing game. It's impossible to win playoff games like this, but that's if they go down that road, then I think I would take them seriously. But right now, because there is no quarterback draft and because there is no quarterbacks available in free agency, it's an easy thing for them to say. Uh, War Moon believes that you can develop more arm strength. Chris Sims said the same. But um, I, I know you know the golf expression, die at the hole. I'm watching Mac Jones all year, and the ball kind of dies at the hole. It gets there, but it, it's it's not like it's fired out of cannon like most of these guys. Did we see Mac Jones ceiling, or is that just Mac Jones 1.0 and there's room for growth? I think there's a ton of room for growth, and I, I, I'm not necessarily sure he he lacks it. I mean, a lot of people felt that way. They thought he was Chad Pennington arm, but I think it's a little better. Uh, you know, but he's going to have to improve his lower. Look, the ceiling, the, 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 the sky's the limit for Mac Jones. He's really smart. He's accurate. You know, he's got great sense of timing. And if he gets a full off season in a, in a really good weight program, he's going to increase his skill set as a thrower. And if they develop his fundamentals and techniques, the arm strength to me, I, I, I think that always can improve 
I think you saw it with every quarterback. I mean, look at Tom Brady's arms. I think Tom Brady's arms actually stronger now than it was four or five years ago. Uh, all right, we're, we're, we're getting ready to see the Niners take on the Packers, and the way in which the Niners play has been a thorn in the side of the Packers, right? Run the football. Now, I'm led to believe that over the past two years, the transformation of this Packers roster was for just such a game. I know they beat the Niners earlier this year, but the Niners are different, and if, if Nick Bosa is healthy, right, did the, uh, what do you think of the Niners matchup with Green Bay in Green Bay? Well, I think it's going to be – I mean, look, it, it's a hard matchup because the Green Bay team that played in week three that played against them wasn't really a – isn't the same Green Bay team today. They really did a good job against San Francisco, holding them to 67 yards on like 30 – on 20-some carries. They, they couldn't run the ball. Now, Sermon was the running back in that game. And the Niners got behind 17 nothing. They scored right at the end of the first half. But I, this is a different team now in terms of we saw Cleveland go in there and run for 219 yards, right? We saw the Chicago Bears, you know, go in there and run for 137 yards back in December. I mean, San Francisco will run the football effectively on them. The key is going to be they can't let the pace of the game get away from them. They've got to be able to be disruptive. And I think that was the key to the game last week. That defensive front against the Cowboy offensive line was very disruptive. They took advantage of Connor Williams at, at right guard, at, at left guard, and that really became the problem for Zach. Zach couldn't throw it. Now, it's hard to get to Rodgers, but you've got to disrupt his time, and you've got to force him out outside their comfort zone. I think San Francisco's got the right element. Here's the thing, though, Doug. Everybody talks about this. In, in any kind of in football, you have to win two of the three phases. Right. Well, well, there's no doubt San Francisco can win the kicking game. This is one of the worst kicking game teams in football. Right. So they can win the kicking game. If they put Debo Samuel back there returning kicks, it'll really impact the game. And if they can play good enough on offense and run the ball, which they can, they can win two of the three phases. Now, the only thing that puts a fly in that ointment is the great Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Yeah. Um, speaking of great, Tom Brady is unbelievable, but he's got injuries on his offensive line. And you have a phenomenal pass rush with the Rams. Granted, they were better at home. Now they have to travel on the road. But it, it's not like weather's an, weather's an issue. Um, can the Rams get to Brady with four? That's always been the secret to unseating him in the playoffs. Can the Rams get to Brady with four? You know, I mean, I think it's going to be hard, especially with Brady having played him once. So he kind of knows the rhythm and the beats of what Mar Raheem Morris wants to do. He'll get the ball out of his hand quickly. You know, and he'll be able to utilize his receivers. I, I think that the bigger question in this game going is, is can the Bucks put pressure on Stafford? Because the last time they played in Los Angeles, they put no pressure on Stafford. In fact, the score wasn't as close as it was because and it was a blowout because the Sean Jackson got behind the defense three times and Stafford only connected with them once. And the Rams really were able to throw the ball and there was no pressure. Now, Jason Pierre-Paul didn't play in that game. But there was no pressure on Stafford for most of that game, and that was really the biggest problem. Um, why, why did Kyler Murray look so lost on Monday night against the Rams? Uh, well, I mean, Kyler Murray's been lost since his injury. I mean, go back and watch. He threw 15 passes against the Bears. He hasn't run the ball. He only ran the ball 88 times. He averaged six-point-something a carry two year, a year ago. This year he's down to 4.8. He won't run. He doesn't run. And people rush him differently. Look, the great buddy Ryan said this about, about football. He said, there's a place in football for the little man. It's just not in front of the big man. And when you watch Kyler Murray play, 
that's exactly what you see. When he gets in front of the big man, I mean, the Seattle game, they scored 30 points in. Seattle basically gave him 14 of it. Seattle rushed him the right way. They contained him in the pocket. They got in front of him, and they asked him to play quarterback from the pocket, and he can't see. And so that's the real issue. And then the, the Cardinals' defense isn't as good as it was earlier in the year. They've had injuries. They're an older team. And without Hopkins, they don't have a security blanket. To me, I think it's an issue. I mean, I think everybody blames Kingsbury for all the failures, but the quarterback hasn't played well since the injury. Go back and look at his game by game. It hasn't happened. Even when they scored points, he did. He missed receivers in the Indianapolis game that they lost at home. I mean, he hasn't played well. And part of it is because teams rush him and make him play quarterback in the pocket. Michael Lombardi joining us. Last thing, Kansas City, Buffalo. Buffalo couldn't have looked better last week. Neither could Kansas City. They played each other before, and Buffalo won. How different will this playoff game be? Well, the first time they played them, Kansas City wasn't playing nearly as good as defense. It wasn't until the second half of the Washington game this year, I think in week six. They're trailing Washington 13-10 to 10 in D.C. Uh, they turned it on. They played really well. They, they won the game 31-13. They shut Washington out the second half. Even though they lost the next week in Tennessee 27-3, that was more their offense turned the ball over than it was they played bad defense. Now, the last two weeks, teams have thrown the football on Kansas City. But here's the biggest problem Kansas City has going in this game. You play man-to-man against Josh Allen. Josh Allen's going to be the leading rusher. He'll have the most attempts like he did the last time they played him, and he'll have the most yards. He's hard to tackle. He's also hard to play man-to-man because once you, you play man and you turn your back on him, he's going to take off and run. This is a challenging game. It's going to force Kansas City to play outside their comfort zone, and they're going to have to control the pace of the game a little bit so it doesn't get away from them. Michael Lombardi, check out the GM Shuffle podcast. It's a must-download and listen. And by the way, uh, you, you know you can follow him at the Daily underscore Coach. He's a former NFL executive with the Browns, the Raiders, the Patriots, and a two-time Super Bowl champion. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Doug. He's the best. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Gaming problem call one. 800 gambler all right we got game time upcoming next including will bruce arians appeal his recent fine that's next be sure to catch the live edition of the doug gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m eastern noon pacific mike check mike check if you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game what's good this is national champion and former pro baller chris johnson let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever Get your podcast from. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Check out the latest lines on Mortal Sports, the better sports book. It's the most trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21, President of Colorado, Indiana, in Illinois, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Let's get to a game. 
This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Game Time brought to you by Discover. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. That's why Discover matches all cash back you earned at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Dan, uh, Dan Byer, what's the game? Doug, the game today is... Real news, fake news. All right, let's go. Real news or fake news. The Raiders-Bengals game on Saturday had the lowest number of viewers for the five playoff games that took place on Saturday and Sunday. Is that real news or fake news? I'm going to go real news. You are fake news. No. Yeah, 27.7 million watched the Raiders and Bengals. That that beat the Patriots-Bills game at 26.4 million. The Eagles-Buccaneers game was actually second to the Niners and Cowboys game that you mentioned. Real news or fake news, Doug? Despite the multiple blowouts, TV ratings for Saturday and Sunday playoff games were higher than a year ago. Oh, that's a yes. That's they're a yes. real oh. and they're spectacular. All five totals marked ratings uh, increases of at least 16% over wow. 2020, according to sports ratings TV. Real news or fake news, Doug? Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians will appeal his $50,000 fine for striking a player on Sunday. Real news. They're real oh. and they're spectacular. Yes, yeah, as he's appealing and uh, no reason to talk about it. Let's just focus on the game against the Rams, but 50 grand for Bruce Arians. And the story is he was trying to get his player to not uh, pull people off the pile and get a penalty. And that's why he struck Andrew Adams in the uh, the head and also gave him an elbow. Yeah, I didn't. I thought it was an absolute nothing burger. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't even close to the Lou Holtz grab a face mask sort of style, right? Like, it it was a nothing. It's football, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Finally, Doug, real news or fake news, the first ever play-by-play radio broadcast of a college football game occurred at Kyle Field in 1921. I'm going to go real news. You are fake news. Uh. No, some think that it is, according to Wikipedia, that the first game ever broadcast was a Texas-Texas A&M game in November of 2020, uh, 1921. However, the actual first play-by-play broadcast on the radio of, co- of a college football matchup, yes, it was a broadcast of a Pitt-West Virginia game on October 8th in 1921. Yeah, so maybe the second uh, radio broadcast, but not the first at Kyle Field. We got a Donnybrook here at Kyle Field as the Aggies of Texas A&M are taking on the Longhorns of Texas at Kyle Field. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Okay, I asked Michael Lombardi about Jalen Hurts. Wait to hear what Howie Roseman uh, what Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Eagles, what they said about the Eagles. We'll play for you what Michael Lombardi said about Jalen Hurts. And I, I'll tell you what I think is going on in Philadelphia. It's upcoming next the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. 